This episode contains mature content, so please don't forget to put on your headphones in a public place. Where did you learn that? On my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Chelsea. And I'm Alina. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the All Asian American, American Rejects, where we talk about stuff. And apologize to our mothers. Sorry, Mom. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. Actually, welcome back, Alina. Okay, yeah, that's true. It's been? it's been a long time, you know. Um, no, winter was long. I know, but do we really have to talk about the weather again? I mean, we're Americans. <laughs> Americans talk about the weather. The small talk. You're right. I don't know. I'm having a hard time kind of balancing my life, specifically my hobby with, you know, my nine to five. Wait, is that what you've been MIA since episode three? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we've both been MIA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like I was just waiting for you. I was like, where did you go? Girl, I'm waiting for myself too, okay? <laughs> Every day I wake up and I'm like, where did you go, Alina? Where did you go? But, you know, it's, it's again, the same stories. Like, I'm still trapped in the office, but not just, like, my professional, professional office. I feel like I'm trapped at home. Like, when I come home with my parents, they're handing me papers. They're handing me their insurance policies. They're handing me, you know, a bunch of like bills that haven't been paid and I have to help them with that. So that's like another trap in the office, if you know what I mean. That's hard because like no one taught us about insurance policy or how to pay bills. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like I have my own bills to pay and then I have to like help my parents translate their bills. And like tax refunds, man, it's tax season too. Oh, I haven't done my tax yet. I haven't done it either. <laughs> it's hard, girl. Like all these ten ninety nine, and then all these receipts I have to take care of. It's hard. Tax season is oh. hard. Yeah, but let's be real. I'm not also trapped in the office. I'm trapped in my depression and anxiety and stress. <sighs> The winter doesn't help her. Nope. Not yeah, at all. Always laugh is making me nervous. <laughs> you always <laughs> laugh. It's making me nervous. <laughs> but like, let's let's look at you know, I think I think about how we started this podcast because we really wanted to be creative, use a creative medium. To talk about things that we didn't hear people talking about, right? Mm-hmm. And so do you feel, when you said that you feel that you were having a difficult time balancing your hobby and your 9 to 5, do you think that you could ever make your hobby something that's 9 to 5? I think for me now, this is something that I'm passionate about, but I'm not, but it's not necessarily providing me the things that I need to live and to survive. So I still feel like the things I do on the side, such as being a podcaster is what people would call a hobby. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I feel like 
you're telling me that you're not ready for a relationship. <laughs> uh, I'm never ready for a relationship. Damn. <laughs> What are these relationships? I mean, I don't necessarily think that hobbies require, you know, this like full 100% commitment just yet because there are so many other commitments that you have to prioritize in your life. Um, Hobbies to me are something that I only sort of prioritize when I have time for it. And I think hobbies are more like something you have to constantly chase after and be persistent about doing, you know, whereas if you're going to be less, if we're talking in terms of relationships, then it's sort of like you put that relationship above all else. It's always prioritized first. Right. But what is, I think that it's hard and doing what, because you're saying, yeah, you want to do more creative work. That's what I'm understanding. You want to do more creative work, but you have a lot of other priorities that you want, you, you need to take care of. Yeah. Sometimes we do things we want to do because they make, make us happy. That's what we want to do. But we're so caught up in surviving. Yeah. Right? And therefore, your hobbies, it, it feels like, you know, we don't put 100% into it because we don't have time or don't have the money. And then it becomes something like a side love. Okay, you will not have a side love if you're completely in love with what you have. And if what you have is not what you love, then why do we spend so much time doing, like, being, like, doing things that we don't love? Yeah. Is it because... <sighs> Is it because the things we want to do don't make money or what is it? It is embedded in sort of refugee community mentality. Mm-hmm. For my family, it's always about sacrificing what you truly love in order to survive. You know, I've seen my mom do it. I've seen my dad do it. They've been doing jobs that they hate for 30 years, but I watch them sacrifice that. And I say to myself, oh, shoot, like, that's what I have to do, too. So that's sort of like what I only know. And it's hard to kind of break out of that programming, you know? I I just feel like if I'm not sacrificing something that I love and chasing something that, um, or like, you know, when I'm not sacrificing, actually chasing something that I love and trying to do what I really love, I feel like I'm being selfish. I'm being um, like self-centered, that I'm not thinking about the big picture, but I'm thinking about my um, hedonistic attitude. You know what I mean? Yeah. For a long time, I thought that way. Ever since I was in school, you know, I understand that in the workplace, you can include your creative work, but I feel like I don't have full agency over my creative power. I don't feel like I can go ahead and do whatever I want because there are certain guidelines and restrictions and you have to mold yourself into another person's message or someone else's goals that aren't particularly yours, you know? And that's fine because that's like every other professional space. You have to work in in that limitation. But, you know, 
there are things that I want to say that I can't because I'm in that space. So I feel like being trapped in the office create limitation for you. Yeah, I just, I don't have the time and money to do what I actually want to do. That's the bottom line. Yeah, but then again, we really think about it. So much time is wasted on <laughs> like stress and anxiety alone from being trapped in the office. <laughs> and when we mean trapped in the office, it means like doing jobs that are good. We, you know, we get checks, but it's not our passion. And it all stems from the same issue of this like cycle of anxiety and cycle of, you know, not having creative agency. I'm afraid of letting people down. I'm afraid of letting my family down. Like if I'm not bringing home checks, I'm afraid that I'll be so into an idea and inflexible where when something fails, I'm going to be ashamed of what I created. Because I, at the end of the day, created it, even though I didn't have really creative agency. So I have to stress over these things over and over again, even if I don't have control over it. What do you say holds you back? Money. I mean, that, that's it, I guess. Like, some benefits, like dental and vision. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, so- I know. They do all the American dream stuff, right? <laughs> you know, it's funny because I feel like people will say, like, what's your American dream? People would say, like, having a car, having a house. And then we are like, dental and vision. <laughs> yeah, I was holding back, like, not having money and not having those good old American white privilege. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to look at how you said you didn't want to let your parents down. And I feel that. Yeah. That's but then, because you're always looking at, like, comparing yourself to everybody else who come from the same background and be like, well, they did it. Why can't I? What the fuck's wrong with me? Exactly. What is wrong with me? Why can't I be, like, so-and-so, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, but then, you have to, like, recenter yourself and be like, yeah, we come from the same background, but they're not living in my head and I'm not living in their head. You're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, there are so many expectations that my parents have put on me. You know, they'll ask me why I'm not bringing home like six figures annually yet. And, you know, there's a bunch of loans. There's a bunch of loans that I haven't paid off yet. It's frustrating. And those things hold, hold me back. And I think it holds back a lot of people from chasing what they truly want because of money and financial status. But why, why does your mom think that at your age, because you're not even 30 yet, mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell people how old you are, but <laughs> why does she think like, why does she think that you should be making six figures and pay off all your loans already? Because, I think mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> cut that part off. Like interrupting yeah. you. Let me, let me start over again. Start over again. Yeah. Why? Why did you think? Why do you? Okay. Why do you think? Okay. What do you think about her thinking that you should be making this much money? 
because I think that for me, my mom, I think she only understood like the first world country as having perfect systems because she come from a place where the system was oppressive, right? So she can't place the war and all of that. So she see every situation like war zone and then coming to America is almost kind of relief. Even though it was really strange and even though she didn't understand the system, to her, her idea is, well, we're in a better place. So if you happen to feel in a better place, how could you ever survive in the war zone that they came from, right? It's always that comparison, like, how could you feel in this place when it's way better than the place that we came from? I'm so glad you said that because it's, you're so right. That is true. Exactly. My mom also believes that the system here is perfect, which it is not because the more I've grown and I've learned about the system and how it affects me, I feel like financial literacy is not something that I am, you know, adept in. Like, oh, girl, you're cutting I'm cutting off. Go back to financial literacy. Yes. Yeah. That's a good point. You bring that up, C. It's, you've said it so well because I feel like the system that, you know, our mothers sort of like put on a pedestal for first world countries is not reality. I think that for me, I'm not financially literate at all. And there's not a lot of financial literacy within the community that I am surrounded by. I feel like even financial literacy pulls people back from understanding the system. If someone gives you a lot of money and you don't understand the interest that comes with loans or how long it would take you to pay that back or, you know, who you go to, to, to file your taxes correctly, that will hold you back. And it definitely has held me back. And I'm like, shoot, now I'm in this position where I'm in debt and my net worth is negative something. (laughs) And it's stressful. (laughs) Negative something. (laughs) I don't want to share that number. I think for us, it's hard because we don't even have the privilege to be stressed about money and about achieving like stability, right? One of my friends once said, and she was um, a, a community organizer. And she was a college student, community organizer at the same time. And she once said she couldn't even afford to be an advocate. Mm-hmm. Money-wise, like mental health-wise, like she couldn't even afford to be an advocate for her own community, for herself. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and I think about that a lot, how sometimes like you go back to whole like financial literacy you go back to money and going back to why we're not doing what we love right like she would love to be a community organizer but it doesn't pay her yeah it does it's not good for her mental health either yep she's still in school there's a cause that she's passionate about but she can't even afford to do that Mm-hmm. And but since now we're on like the topic of community, I feel that our success was so stressful because 
I feel like our success is, is a reflection of our community success. For me, being among American person, I feel like if I am successful, then my community has done something right. Mm. Because it made me feel like I have to be successful in order to say my community have done something right, in order to say, hey, we are deserving to be here in America. Yeah. But that's a lot of pressure, you know, to hold. That's a lot of pressure, I think. Why would, why would you feel like part of the community, that weight is on your back? Because they won't get off my back. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I, I think it's come from, in a way, I almost feel, I feel like it comes from the immigration narrative about how, or how we come to a better country. We should utilize the opportunity we have here. And we should be successful. If we're not successful, then we shouldn't be here. We are a waste of time and money. Mm. Right? So, you know, there are a lot of narrative about refugees coming to America, a lot about immigrants coming to America and being successful. And we love these successful narrative. But there are some folks who are not successful. There are folks who are criminals. There are folks who are whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And we don't want to be, and I think we love the successful narrative because it proved to, you know, the white system that, hey, we're not bad people for coming into, uh, you know, quote, unquote, your country. Yep. Right? Yep. We're not bad people. We are actually successful. That's like there's so much pressure because we don't. To, we don't want to be successful, just not for us, but it's such a reflection of our community and a reflection of like, or a, a reflection of us trying to prove to the current white system that we are deserving of being here. Yeah. There is a pastry chef in Minnesota. Uh, his name is Mark Hood. And he's a French pastry chef. So he made French pastries. And his story was that he originally applied to medical school. And I think he was in medical school. He dropped out to study uh, pastry. Wow. And because at the end of the day, it's like, what are you passionate about? What are you so passionate about that you really want to learn the skill to be really good at it? This podcast is a great source of creativity for both Chelsea and I, and we want to keep it alive and fully commit to it. Um, And in order for us to give full care and attention to our crafts, we need to pay SoundCloud for more storage space to upload our clips, as well as get additional training and access to resources that can elevate our podcast and make it the best experience for our listeners. So, if you want to help us make our dreams come true, then please help out and donate to us. Yeah, we set up a donation page at the link, and I'm going to put this in the description. Uh, you can donate directly to us at Patron. 
So Patron is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. I feel like that's how I always speak on the phone when I spell my name. You have to go to Patron and patron.com slash the All Asian American Rejects and donate to us. So you can donate a dollar a month, five dollar a month, how much you want. Um, Because, hey, we get more storage space, we can have a little more clips. Yep. And we would want to give you all the best content that we can. Please join us again every other time when we're not trapped in our own anxiety. If you want to apologize to your mother with us, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the All Asian American Reject. See ya!